Welcome to Food and Loathing, your weekly gathering of my favorite restaurant addicts. I mean, we ain't anonymous. <laughs> we only have two steps, eat food and talk about eating food. Pretty much. And the only chips we have are the kind you dip. <laughs> I'm your host, Al Mancini. Co-hosting once again is Las Vegas food writer extraordinaire, offthestrip.com, like Samantha Gemini Stevens. Hi. And that fast food loving engineer I mentioned earlier is the one and only Mr. Rich Johnson. Rich, I know you're coming to us via Zoom today and you missed Neon Feast Big Meet the yeah. Chef event with James Trees this week. So, Oh, and did you miss it? Oh, oh man. Oh. So I, I got to ask, how are you and your better half feeling? Man? Better. It was it was a, a, a I don't want to say a COVID scare, but it was one of those. Oh, should we break out the uh, tests yet? Now we did oh. not. And we're fine now just a day of sniffles and a little chilly thing so maybe maybe it was uh, you know something bad from the freezer i don't know <laughs> that'll happen man it, with, it with the weather being on crack this week um, oh, yeah, God, it could yeah. be anything <laughs> yeah we're in a california blizzard pushing into nevada i mean the sniffles are the least of our problems right. oh think, yeah as always man we start the show by running down some of the best things we've eaten over the past week rich i think you've eaten some stuff from one of our previous mayors um <laughs> one of the good ones this week so hopefully we'll be hearing about that soon but gemini you're just coming from an event at jose andres's chino poblano which i missed um so i feel like this week let's just start with you bringing us up to date on whatever deliciousness you've been up to absolutely yeah so i did go to chino poblano today it was a super intimate um we sat at that the bar on the left when you first walk in where they have the steam table um, there was, uh, a few of us sitting there with the, with the PR rep, Katie, that we all love and testing out a new menu. I'm going to tell you more in the news section, but I do want to share that the hospitality was amazing. The pairings were absolutely spot on. Um, it's not something I ever would have thought of to put Chinese food in Mezcal. I don't think about that. Um, when I'm kind of putting stuff together and I don't see why not because all the flavors are there. Um, so yeah, so, so we'll hit that a little bit more. They've got an event coming up that the uh, public can get in on and taste all the things that I tasted today. So we'll tell everybody about that. You know, um, I, I may have said this before. I'm sure I've said this before on this, yeah. this show, but I do like to remind people because people think about Chino Poblano, like what the fuck's going on with that? There's Chinese <laughs> food and there's Mexican food. <sighs> and um, there were actually these galleons, these Spanish galleons that used to run from Mexico to the Philippines. And there, there was a major trade route. And the idea that Jose Andres was trying to capture with this restaurant was that period in history when they were taking Mexican spices to the Philippines. Absolutely. When they got to the Philippines, they were meeting up with Chinese traders and they were bringing Chinese spices back to Mexico. And he's trying with that restaurant to recreate that that moment in history and in time when those cultures were crossing, because yes. I think it was um, King Ferdinand, I believe, who was sending these galleons across. I don't know my history and yeah. when Spain Mexico, that's for shit for me, but Jose Andres <laughs> gets it and he knows, you, you, you know, right. and, exactly. And so, that's mixing right. mezcal with those flavors is you know, that's part it's of that brilliant. period in history, you know. Yeah, I just, I mean, something you'll hear me say when I'm talking to chef, I just I wouldn't have thought about ordering mezcal when I go to a place and order, you know, amazing Asian food. I just don't think like that. I think of sake and I think of you know, other wines and things like that. So, yeah, it was a really interesting, eye opening. Uh, experience. It was really educational. Eduardo, the GM there, 
gave us lots of information on you know what we were drinking and why he chose it for that pairing um so like i said i'll, I'll talk more about the dishes and we'll get a little bit of news from chef um a little bit later in the show um i also uh you know this I, i've enjoyed some repeats and some sort of new stuff to me um this past couple of weeks uh i went of course to half bird which we'll talk about again at the end um they used to have only the, let me rephrase that. They used to have ramen only late at night. Well, now you can order it at any time of day. So if you haven't had their ramen, you've got to get down there and try it. Um, they also have these pot pie bao buns that I'm kind of addicted to at the moment. Yeah, I have too. <laughs> and they, and they, I, I found yeah. out they, they freeze very well. Oh, come good back to know. That. Okay. Yeah, so grab a bunch and stick them in. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, one of the biggest things for me is it's right down the street from pretty much all three of us. Um, I recently revisited Samba Latte a couple of times. Uh, I had been in, it's over in Boca Park. Um, and I had been over there a couple of times. I was kind of going to see if I wanted to try that, that breakfast place sunny side up, but um, they were just super packed. I didn't want to deal with it. And I needed to get some work done as well. Samba Latte is great for co-working. If you need a spot to plug in, they've got a table just for that. There's plugs everywhere, but I just, I had forgotten the number of really great coffees and teas that are available with whatever you want to put in it, but also the food. I don't think I've eaten there except for a croissant or something like that in a really long time. I had fresh salad. I had a great sandwich. Um, I tried a, a gluten-free something that I didn't write down. I didn't take pictures. I don't know, even know who I am right now when I say something <laughs> like that. Um, but they were just really delicious. Everything tasted really fresh. Um, I'll be honest. I don't know what's brought in and what's made there, but however they get it handled, it's lovely, super underrated. Um, so yeah, get, get your happy butts over to Samba Latte. I know this town has a glut of coffee shops. I have favorites, of course. Um, and, but the service is also really nice. And on the weekends, um, I don't know about the weekdays, but on the weekends, they often save one of those front booths that they have, um, for live musician to come in and just play kind of a little bit in the background. It's usually acoustic, um, super awesome vibe. And if you have your doggies, you can take them because they have a setup for dogs to have treats and water and the whole thing. So got to get over there. Oh yeah. You, you make it sound great. If I drank coffee. <laughs> I, like one of the few stimulants I never put into my body. Right? Even in well, my they have, if you days. like juice, they have juices. Um, I do I've, like juice. I've become oh, yeah. more of a, a tea drinker, um, as we've noticed on this show, uh, not today, but I have had coffee before we started recording, <laughs> and oh, you can tell. Um, so <laughs> I, I kind of kind of pick my coffee, you know, very carefully. Um, but yeah, just great options, and the people are really great. Um, and I just feel like, yeah, people, it's always the regulars in there. I think people sort of skip it and it's definitely worth making a trip over there. Um, and I think there's another, uh, location more in the South of town, but I am, I'm a Boca park fan, uh, because it's really close to home. Yeah. Um, I also hit up legends oyster bar and grill on Durango. Um, the original, the the one and only. I mean, they have one in Henderson now too, but come to the one on Durango um maybe you'll see me there who knows uh i had a craving the other day for lobster bisque and some fried oysters and uh so yeah ordered that um i want to try their lobster rolls they offer both hot and cold i kind of want to do the the comparison so maybe we'll have to see if jack will let us come in and record over there and taste all the things oh what a great uh, idea what how fun would that be <laughs> they have such excellent. good food um a little bit of something for everybody um, you know, I was I was speaking to a chef and I'm not going to name 
him or her right now because no, I just, you know, they do, yeah. we were talking off the record, whatever. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but we were talking about great oyster bars and how there aren't a lot of great oyster bars with great selections True. of oysters. And yeah. this chef was a very renowned chef who's, you know, been with some amazing organizations and has worked in oyster bars. And, you know, he says like, or she, whoever, I'm not telling you the gender. <laughs> <laughs> they. It, it, it says, they say, whatever. Uh, they, they is the preferred they. way yes, now. There we go. I know. I still get <laughs> hung up the on way. the floral thing, but okay, I that's know, cool. I it's hard. Um, it's hard, but that's just because I'm old and, you know, resistant yeah. to change. Uh, grammar. But um, anyway, this particular chef was like, man, that you got to go to Legends. Legends has the best oyster selection in oh. town. And I was like, you know what? They fucking do. They really do, man. Better yeah. than a lot of the big places. Yeah. And I yeah. love the presentation, too. If you're there for some like super fresh raw oysters, um, you know, they always tell you what's fresh on the menu. It changes all the time because of seasonality and availability and all of that, which I really appreciate. But then they put those little printed strips on it. So, you know, they don't just like point at things and say, that's that, that's that, because you can't always tell. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know what you're eating. Um, they stand behind everything there. Yeah. Just got to go back. over. And they there. do scallops on the half shell over there as well. Yes. Yes. Which are really good. Yeah. Yes. Um, and then again, I just have to mention it because I'm on this kick. Shanghai taste for probably the third time in three weeks. Uh, <laughs> you and Jimmy those, Lee got a thing going on uh, over there? No, I, I know. I need to call him and actually be like, okay, I need to like buy stock or something. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> but those crab yolk dumplings are ruining my my New Year's one of my New Year's resolutions and my revitalized efforts to lose some of these extra pounds I've picked up. Because those dumplings, dumplings oh. if I can speak well, yeah. are just delicious. I mean, everything they do is good, but I just can't get over it. And just um, a reminder for people, um, you know, Shanghai Taste over in Shanghai Plaza yep. in um, Chinatown on Spring Mountain Road. Um, Semi-finalist Chef Jimmy Lee for yeah, James Beard Award right. this year. So right. um, we ain't the only ones who like his shit. No, yeah. <laughs> no. Um, yeah, I was, I was going to try, I, I was looking at the list and I'm like, Oh, where do I want to go? So, um, I've been to anima recently. Um, of course, garage East is on the list this year. Um, I really want to go over to red plate. I haven't been there and had their food in a long time. Oh, you're, so. you're talking about all the locals who got nominated. Yeah. For oh yeah. Of course. Yeah. I see those yeah. lists and I, I see what's close to us and, and who we can support. So, yes. yes. Um, but yeah, that was a good reminder. Thank you. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, I know Rich talks about his cooking. You know, I, I mentioned before that John and I are trying to do more cooking at home. Um, I had a BLT kick over the weekend. Oh so yeah. We started with like these shrimp, blt taco kind of things that we put together um and then like the next day it was uh chicken blt wraps and uh if anybody is like me and they pay attention to, to some of the stuff they put in their body um i like the really the high fiber spinach wraps from mission brand tortillas they are delicious oh. and they're perfect for this kind of thing like for that cool refreshing sandwich wrap kind of thing they actually have a little spinach flavor um, you know what I'm getting a kick out of here, though, is because you first said um, I've been on a BLT kick or something like that. Right. Yeah. And I, I thought back, I've never, never eaten BLTs. I think really? maybe once, like when I was on a cruise and I got one from room service. Right. Like like <laughs> yeah. 150 years ago. Um, but, but like I never really understood BLTs because to me, bacon, lettuce and tomatoes are shit you put on your burger. 
Right. Or, or your sandwich, right? And like, I'm fine yeah. with that too. They're not the end of, that's not the end of the fucking story. That's the accoutrement. But yet, it depends on the bacon. Yeah, but yet, it really as, does. But as you've explained your BLT kick, there's always been an additional exactly. protein in yeah. there. A so BLT. You're gonna, yeah, yeah, so you're, Plus, you're hitting yes. it right on the nose, right? So we BM. did the shrimp BLT sort of tacos, then we did the chicken BLT sort of wrap. And then, uh, you know, here's the thing, classic wedge salad. It's yeah. basically a BLT in a bowl. <laughs> Bacon, <laughs> lettuce, some blue cheese, some tomatoes, and uh, there you go. Like, well, it's pretty... The great, the late, great Mitch Hedberg, one of my favorite comics ever, oh, yeah. once said oh, that yeah. all things in the world, all foods are sandwiches. For example, a salad is a chef's salad is a sandwich, a sandwich, some assembly required. <laughs> yes. And that sounds like what you're saying. There. I think that's brilliant. I like that. Yes. It's just some assembly required. Yes. Um, and then, you know, I found some uh, Kuroboto pork chops in my big freezer. So we pulled those out. <laughs> Cooked him in a sous vide bath with some aromatics and a little oil, um, salt and pepper, of course, and then pulled them out when they were perfect and then stuck them in a screaming hot cast iron pan. Perfect crust. I was oh, yeah. super happy, super tender doing it that way. Now, I know um, you guys, both of you like to um, go to various butchers around Las Vegas. Yes. Do you, do you have a source for Corabudo pork chops? That particular one, I was gifted a, a gift card to one of those online butcher shops that okay. I won't name because they're just too fucking expensive to be honest. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah. Uh, so I, I went ahead and I used it and that was one of the things. But I will say the packages are pretty good. Um, they, they weren't huge there was i think three chops in each two or three chops in each package so we did two packages because the chops themselves were kind of small i've, I've seen much better um and they were a little bit thin which is why i did the sous vide cooking first and then just did the crust because nothing oh, yeah. worse to me than super dried out pork or chicken like it just drives me crazy yeah um that people don't take a few extra steps here and there to just make sure it's done and you don't have to kill it. It's already dead. Mm. 165. Do if you it's, don't know where your meat uh, comes from, then yeah, yeah, go ahead for the 165. It's not degrees, going to give you trichinosis no. anymore. <laughs> no. no, it's not the 1940s people. Right. Yeah. Right. So yeah. So I like, I do like my pork, uh, you know, on the more medium rare side. So um, yeah, we were able to control that a little bit better by doing it this way. You've got um, my brain spinning now, and I'm trying to remember like all the obscure <laughs> trivia that I learned about Corabudo pork when I was writing a story on Ooh. on heritage pork. But I believe it's an originally an English breed that was exported to Japan and then be, but it, but in a well-known, like maybe like a Berkshire or something that we've, sure. we've seen that, but I think genetically it's another breed of pork that was cool. then exported to Japan and then raised in Japan for a few hundred years. And then right. it's become the Korobuda pork, but yeah. All I know is it's, I got to go do some more research. Maybe I can <laughs> yeah. back next week. With That's some your answers. homework. Yes. Tell us yes. all about it. Um, and then last night, one of, I think one of the easiest and, and favorite things we did over the weekend is um, I spatchcocked the chicken. And part of the reason I'm saying I spatchcocked it is because I like Cause to it's fun to say spatchcock. It is. <laughs> <clears throat> it sounds so, yeah. like something from a store on uh, Dean Martin behind <laughs> yeah. the, uh, next to the strip. Oh place. my God. Something off industrial, maybe. <laughs> hey, you want to get spatchcocked? Come on over here, little girl. Um, yeah. And then just, you know, rubbed it all up. I had some pesto that I had made recently. So I took that and I added some spice um, called Saison. S-A-Z-O-N 
from Chef Eric Rivera. Um, he was in Seattle when I first started following him. Now, then he was in San Francisco and then LA, and now he's settled in Raleigh, North Carolina. He's opening up some spaces there, um, like two different restaurants and a dinner club. Like, But his stuff is amazing. I've purchased stuff from him online. So I threw some of his Saison into the pesto to add just a little bit more. Um, and, you know, typically that's made with coriander, cumin, achiote, garlic powder, oregano, salt, and pepper, but he does whatever he does to it. And of course he's not going to give me his recipe and that's totally fine, <laughs> but I still want to give him a shout out because it's just delicious. Um, he really, really has an, uh, a palate for fun flavors. And so that punched up the pesto, just what we wanted, rubbed it all up. Um, I used the steam oven at first and then, uh, turned on the convection and, Perfectly crispy skin, perfectly oh. moist chicken. Um, again, one of those things that's already dead. You don't have to cook it. So, <laughs> you know, it's hard. Um, and I'm excited because we saved the leg quarters last night. I'm doing a little dance in my chair because that's mm. dinner tonight. So, yeah. oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Already done, set. I knew today was going to be a busy day. So we are wow. ready to go. Well, well uh, <laughs> yeah, a lot. Yeah, <laughs> Rich, Alan, what you got, man? Well, I was gonna say, Alan and I have pretty long lists, so uh, Jim and I, if you want to go have it now, you can come back in about twenty. <laughs> it'll be fine. <laughs> no way, I'm listening to this. All <laughs> right, so I, I began a long Saturday, determined to break out of my bacon and eggs over medium breakfast tedium, mm. and I did so with a vengeance, kind of, at uh, Honey Salt and their brunch. I did yeah. have bacon and I did I have done eggs, that in a while. but I also had spinach, tomato and hollandaise sauce and an English muffin. Yes, yes it was Benedict. Very, very nice. They do a basic Benedict with no meat. And then you choose either keep it veg or add smoked salmon or add bacon. I went with the bacon oh, and it was yeah. wonderful. Uh, something I do with every Benedict and I did it there too. And I'm glad I did hollandaise on the side. I love hollandaise, but I don't want to overwhelm the whole thing, which is so sure. easy. I want to taste the egg. So I put maybe a third of what I was given on the egg muffin veggie structure, and it was perfect. <laughs> and did the oak, did the yolk ooze when you pierced it? Yes, yes, it did. Oh, yeah, better. <laughs> nice, nice. Uh, uh, what's what's uh, what's the the process? I can't think of the name. All of a sudden, poach, 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 poach. Yes, <laughs> that's what I was thinking of. I went to the inaugural home game of the Vegas Vipers, the XFL team that plays an old forlorn Cashman Field. And I was not alone. About 6,000 people braved the cold wow. and drizzle, which suddenly turned into cold and driving rain at halftime. And about oh, half God. the people took off. Uh, I had a free press box meal, which was kind of a dry chicken skewers on rice with a little onion and peppers. Uh, mm. Next time, though, which is coming up, I will venture out among the people because I saw uh, nachos with a decent pile of pulled pork on them. Uh, street tacos that look pretty good and something called tasty corn. Corn on the cob, rolled in butter, and then covered up with ground hot Cheetos. Oh God! I don't mm. think I'll have it. I'll just have it with the with the butter because there's no. That's what I, I try to watch my salt. But when it comes to corn on the cob, there is no such thing. No, I love salt. good corn on the but cob. But you I'm don't just... have to put hot Cheetos. On. No, no, yeah, don't and, have to do that. Please let me just shout out to anybody who's doing this. Please, can we pull back on the hot Cheeto everything dipped in whatever trend? Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> Hey, you clearly do not have Frito Lay stock yeah. in your portfolio. That, that harkens portfolio. back to uh, the, uh, the, the the Iowa State Fair in Des Moines. You go there on when it's the year of the of the, the caucuses, 
I was there in 2008 and 2012, and that's where I first saw the walking taco. Did you oh, see the no. butter cow too? Oh, it was oh a, yeah, oh, I heard yeah. about the absolutely. Butter stuff. Yes, <laughs> it was a whole butter competition. The butter yeah. Competition, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Sunday, uh, after the game, I went over to uh, Main Street Comfort Food. That being meatballs and Caesar salad at the bar at Oscars on a very busy night. Yum. Sunday, back to mm. familiar ground sausage egg and cheese bagel at Life's a Bagel Rampart and Lake Mead. I go there a lot, and I don't mention them in enough so i will here god help me i'm developing a two donut a day habit at randy's <laughs> on charleston mm. uh, I well ran when you order that many but there's no salt donuts no salt once. No. <laughs> i did run headlong into a legacy of today's public school system and you know oh. nevada is you know it's always down there kid at the cash register rang me up for 11 dollars. i handed him a 20 and a one and he could not for the life of him grasp the idea of giving me a 10 dollar oh bill. no the change <laughs> wouldn't manager. the machine tell him that though yeah. that, that's why they have the machines yeah to... i think he had rung it up first and then he was expecting just the 20 and he was going to mm. give me 19 and i gave him the extra one and he kind of froze his manager <laughs> gently had to explain the concept to him uh oh, well. Uh, Maybe he was stoned. Let's just hope he was stoned. I did a little time. He was stoned. Yeah, Yeah. enjoy it. You're in a donut shop. Working in a donut shop, get stoned. That's just my advice. Not not when you're handling my donuts. (laughs) I did a little strip walk for the first time in many weeks. Uh, I started with a few pieces of sushi at a tabaki bar. Uh, the place for nigiri and hand rolls inside Proper Eats, the mm, new food yeah. hall in Aria. That was very yeah. pretty. First time I I'll be giving you my thoughts on Proper Eats momentarily as well. Awesome. Yeah, okay. salmon and tuna, tuna, perfect slices, seriously fresh. The rice needed a little more stickiness. Started mm. to come apart in my hand. Crab rolls, uh, perfect though. Hand roll, crab. I noticed a place I don't recall us discussing. Have we talked about Din Tai Fun? I mean, Din Tai Fung's been around for a long time, yeah. definitely pre-pandemic. Um, oh, and okay. yeah, and it's a it's an offshoot of, and actually, yeah, it, it predates the um the dim sum shop in the Palms, which both of them that's Tim Ho Wan, uh, both of them are offshoots of restaurants that in Asia have been recognized by Michelin, but okay. they are they're syndicated around the world, you know, franchised whatever. Yeah, um, yeah. both very very you know well respected. The the cool thing about Din Tai Fun is. They're known for their Xiaolong Bao, the soup mm, dumplings. Yeah. And oh, yeah. they are a place that actually puts instructions on how to eat soup dumplings on your table for you. So oh you gosh. can eat yeah. them properly. So you don't have yeah. scalding soup on your mouth and on your shirt. Yeah, they get yeah. tired of people getting burned, I guess. So <laughs> I don't know um, why I've never seen this walking by there at Aria, but it was 115 on a Tuesday and it was a 45 minute wait. So wow. kind of Yeah, it's a huge line. And by. I feel huge like place. Well, prior to them opening Proper Eats, I feel like they were capturing the entire casual dining scene mm-hmm. in Aria. So people yeah. would just line up there. I mean, you know, there's no buffets anymore. I don't know what the coffee shop is in Aria, if they even have one. But Din Tai Fung really became sort of the, you know, the casual restaurant that everybody yeah. goes to in that resort. Now, Proper Eats, as we'll discuss, you know, that may take a little bit away from that. We'll, we'll see yeah. how that plays out. The thing right next to Proper Eats uh, across the hallway there with a lot of uh, plants and all that it's their breakfast place open up early i don't know if it's 24 hours but it's it's that's okay. their coffee shop i drown my sorrows not being able to get into didn't have fun at the gem bar which is a little 12 seater on the casino floor kind of in the back uh, every seat has video poker slot kino blackjack bar top i spent about an hour playing Ooh. 10 hand ultimate x video poker 
Put in 100, was up as much as 80, down maybe 275 before cashing out about up 40. Tipped the bartender nice. at 10. Got down, down 275? No, on no, your original? no. Oh, okay. I put in 100. I down got to 275. Down, down to 75, uh, yeah. Okay. okay. And up as much as 180. I tipped out, uh, I cashed out at one at 40, 40 to the good. Mm-hmm. Tipped the bartender at 10. Nice bar there. I was not getting comp the nice Johnny Walker Blue and McCallan 18. <laughs> no, you got to be in the high roller. Oh, you can come to my that. house. I'll pour you those. You can come to my house. I got a generous <laughs> pour of shivers so he could kill the bottle. So it was time oh, nice. well spent. Nice. A little bonus. Uh, the sushi uh, had worn off, so I trekked over to Cosmopolitan for Hattie B's Hot Chicken. Mm. Two-piece dark with fries and mac and cheese. That late lunch turned into my early dinner. I walked it off enjoying the Bellagio Fountains, exploring the New Look Bally's now called the horseshoe um mm-hmm. the nice talk all the way uh, a nice walk walk anyways walk. my own i always correct your, <laughs> thing. your own correct typos, my own typos there. yes <laughs> all the way to park mgm the back passage right to rasl parking straight to north F- bound 15 rush hour traffic at five o'clock so it took me 28 minutes instead of 22 <laughs> minutes to get back to summerlin so if you ever complain about routine rush oh, hour yeah. slowdowns in las vegas Unless you're born and raised here and have literally never visited any other city, just shut the fuck up. <laughs> yeah, there Vegas does not yeah. have traffic. And I mean... uh, this weekend, my nephew's in town from Portland, so it's Oscars for stakes this time. Poker, yeah. XFL football, maybe Omega Mart, maybe uh, one of the college basketball tournaments in town, maybe Golden Tiki, definitely NASCAR Ooh. on Sunday. So yeah, I heard you me. say poker. Where are you playing poker? Uh, not, there's a $70 tournament, I think, at... Uh, um, Sahara, and there's another cheap one at Orleans, so uh, I'll let him decide. He's more the poker guy. I'll go to the video poker. If you do a cheap poker tournament, let me know, man. I'll come over and play. Oh, yeah, okay. I want to see right. that. Yeah, probably I, this is my big goal once I get this tube out of my gut, which will hopefully happen within the next <laughs> Thanks week. Thanks again for sharing that. Yeah. Two things. So I want to sit at a poker table again because I haven't done that in a while and go to yeah. a little nice game, which I'm doing on Sunday. So Probably noonish Saturday. I'll let you know. Okay, let me know. I may may just be up and for let it. me know about uh, Golden Tiki because I love that place. Cool. Oh, that'd be uh, late Saturday. Saturday. <laughs> okay, people, All right, your turn. I turn and I still got a lot. Gonna, Here we we're go. We're gonna let you talk now. I got a lot of problems <laughs> with you people, and now you're gonna hear about it. Oh no, that's festive. <laughs> uh okay so i've had a couple of live events in the past week that i do need to talk about first um the folks at the elysian apartment complexes asked me to come in and chat with their residents um about neon feast and how to find a great restaurant and to bring in some chefs to meet everyone so i meant a big shout out to um to the chefs who participated in our first event this past week at the Palms location. This gorgeous apartment complex, by the way. I mean, I don't think I can fucking afford to live there, but it's beautiful in there. <laughs> um, and I mean, their gym is gorgeous. It makes me want to work out. I mean, it's right? ridiculous. Um, it's literally walking distance from the Palms. So I invited Chef Marcus of the Palms and the team from Manzu Italian Oven to join me there. It was a really fun event, man. Uh, Marcus and someone from his team, Chef Paul from Manzu and um, shit, I'm forgetting his name right now my apologies but the chef from old school pizzeria also representing manzu they're both owned by chef giomaro of course so they brought some food they hung out they mixed they mingled with the residents awesome. they told them what they had to offer and um dare i say a good time was had by all and you know that's really a lot of 
you know, I like having these conversations with the three of us on this mm-hmm. podcast. And I like that Neon Feast is a conversation among a lot of experts. But, you know, I like getting out and doing live events and Absolutely. really just getting conversations about restaurants started. So um, that was so much fun for me. Uh, then last Thursday, there was a media night at the New Properties Food Hall. Press basically hanging out in the proper bar, which is a really cool vibe for a bar. And then they brought us over the food from the restaurant. So we didn't really hang in the food hall itself, although I took a walk through it. Uh, But I did sample dishes from Laughing Buddha. I had a little, a very, very good um, crispy eggplant bao bun. Lola's Burgers, which is a very solid burger based on what I had, um, better than the vast majority of um, fast food burgers. I believe I had a kimchi chicken sandwich from Soul Bird, which was really, really good. I don't. Sounds delicious. Yeah. um, I I know I had a really good spicy chicken sandwich from somebody. I think that's what it was. (laughs) Um, I definitely had some pieces of um, a roll from Tekka Bar. I'm not really a roll guy. They were fine. Not as good as um, what I've had at the Cosmo location, but, you know, that's just about what they were serving. Not really. I didn't like it. I just I wouldn't have ordered like a a crab stick roll or whatever it may have been that they had. It's just, you know, not something I would have done, Um, but it was good. It was solid. So um, what else? Uh, Some skewers of lamb from Shalom, y'all also solid. I didn't have anything from Egghead, which is their egg sandwich place. Now, everybody's got an egg sandwich. Somebody's need to notice that I was walking by egg slut today. Yeah. Somebody (laughs) needs to just give a proper shout out. I'll be the fucking guy to egg slut, because when they brought egg slut to Cosmo, nobody was doing like real New York. I mean, I'm not even saying they're legit New York style because they're not egg sluts at L.A. creation by a New Yorker. But um, fucking egg sandwiches, which if you live in New York, they're a staple food. So now everybody has one. So they've got one over there um and i didn't get to try it so hopefully it's good <laughs> i did not get to try wexler's deli i did not get to try steve aoki's pizza aoki so oh, yeah reasons to head back for me um then we headed over to the speakeasy behind easy donuts and coffee which is really cool great room live music some what looked like out of this world creative cocktails little mushroom cocktails and got guys hand painting the outside of the mushroom glass and shit um some cocktails served in a seashell uh since i'm not drinking and sue only wanted an old-fashioned that night i can't tell you how any of them taste but they were really really cool and basically the whole place is cool as fuck so i like it a lot and it seems like you can't have a food hall without a speakeasy these days right Um, so i think that's the question rich like next time somebody asks you What's the difference between a food court and a food hall? I think the default answer has to be if it has a speakeasy, it's a fucking food hall. If it doesn't, it's a food court. And by the way, uh, Elysian Apartments uh, next to the Palms, the cheapest one, a one bedroom, one bath, 1700 a month. Mm. Okay. Um, yeah. Well, there you go. That's what, it, that's what it is these days. Yeah. No, that's yeah. Oh, never mind. I'm not six hundred square. Rents. No, eight hundred yeah. square feet. Eight hundred yeah. square feet. No, but it's a beautiful get place. Get all the man. amenities. Yeah, yeah, it's very. And great. yeah. Um. Okay. On Friday night, I joined a group of friends at Rob Casual Reese's birthday celebration at Brewdog. This is my first actual visit there, and I totally love the space, even if I don't like having to enter it through a mall elevator on the LVB yeah. there, right next to the Hard Rock Cafe, which kind of feels a little like walking around Times Square to get into it, right? Um, but Brewdog is a cool space on the third and fourth floors. There's a great outdoor um, patio overlooking the strip. The indoor areas are spacious and cool. The beer selection is interesting. Um, they have all kinds of games on the third floor, by the mm-hmm. way, including not one, but four 
pinball machines. Yes, Yay. you got your wish. Yes, and you guys know that I've been bitching <laughs> that restaurants and bars need more pinball in this town. So these guys <laughs> had them, and um, I kicked some ass on a Mandalorian machine there that night. Uh -huh. Did you um, put your name on the box? I got my name on. I, yes! I only bought one game, and I got my name up twice because I won a free game. So, Damn. Yeah, I was kicking some ass. Either that or nobody ever plays it except me. I don't know. That's a distinct possibility. Um, as for the food, I do feel kind of bad because all I had was some pizza and I did not like the pizza. And okay. I, I, it's hard for I can't even sugarcoat this because I had a great night, a great time. I like the place. I want to go back. I fucking really did not like the pizza and the company was great. And, you know, I don't even want to say that when I was invited to somebody's party that I didn't like the food. But I, I have to be honest about this. For me, the dough was just too gummy. It just mm. felt like someone had fucked up on how long they either let it rise or some technical shit that I don't understand really about pizza dough, but I know when it's not done right. And to me, it felt like they were trying really hard to make some serious dough and somehow they fucked it up. Uh, but this is based on one visit. So I will gladly go back and try it again to see if they had an off night because I do like the place. Actually, some other people like the pizza. So maybe it's really just that's what they're trying to do. And it's a question of taste. And it's just not for me. Sure. Um, other folks had some burgers, which looked good. I had a bite of a massive chicken wing, which was excellent as bar buffalo wings go. Um, you know, so definitely I will go back. And the most important thing, of course, was the company. And I had a blast hanging out with Robin Mary, as well as Don and Charlie Cheruzny and a whole bunch of other cool people. So great night at Brewdog. Just, you know, sorry, I had to call out the pizza. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Saturday and Sunday for me were um, Sue's birthday weekend. So oh. I booked two meals at the um, the garden table in the Bellagio Conservatory. Yeah. Oh, man, that looks so cool. And yeah, we've spoken about this before, but I really do have to talk about it. It's um, when they originally opened it, I think towards the end of the summer, they had a table back between Sidell's and Michael Mina entrance. Yep. And it was beautiful. And again, they book it twice a day. No, four times a day, twice a day for brunch, lunch and twice a day for dinner. Um, so for Lunar New Year, they've moved it over to the other corner. I mean, so it's over on the um, what I would say is the south side and, you know, kind of uh, you're, you're facing the people that are walking by past the fancy stores. And yep. then on the other side of the table is one of those lakes filled with koi and then yep. tourists on the other side <laughs> of the lake. So they're, they're taking pictures in your direction, but they're not really taking pictures of you. There's giant right. shit in between you and them. <laughs> um, but really such a fucking amazing idea to do this, to have this table. Um, it's, it's much less expensive. By the time you hear this, I think their Lunar New Year's um, promotion may be just about ending. Uh, it was a lot less expensive because it was the Lunar New Year one. I think it was $88 for the brunch and $125 for the dinner. Um, they were both done by Noodles Cafe instead of, or I'm sorry, just Noodles, excuse me, in yeah. Bellagio. And um, great restaurant, great food. Um, we really, really enjoyed it. We went in for dinner first um, and that we had, yeah, that basically because of the fact that Noodles is not right there on the Bellagio Conservatory, you don't, it's a lot harder to do a multi-course meal as opposed right. to Michael Mina, which they had it right next door. So it was really like serving mm -hmm. in the restaurant so um they they bring you out your cold appetizers first you do the baby octopus and the cucumber salads and some jellyfish and all that kind of stuff and then they brought out all of our entrees for dinner together on a lazy susan um they did the chili and sea bass and garlic chili sauce some poached chicken reminded me kind of like a hainan chicken um mm. with the ginger onion sauce some salt and pepper shrimp that were excellent black um black pepper beef and garlic noodles in the middle so it was fantastic um you know the weird dessert but it was still cool it was like a, a 
soupy dessert with mochi and stuff in it. Very interesting. Interesting. Not to my palate. My American palates would not familiar with it, but I enjoyed it, okay. um, you know, and it, that was cool. Uh, but it's just so fucking amazing because you're in the one of the, Sue calls the conservatory her happy place. One of the, like the most beautiful places in Las Vegas. And um, here you are like you're, you're like you own Las Vegas, like you are fucking Julia mm-hmm. Roberts in, in Ocean's <laughs> Eleven. Right. And you're just fucking eating in the conservatory <laughs> and you've got your own server who's there with you the whole night. And, um, you know, then they bring things and it's just, it, it, man, you just feel like Richie Rich or some shit, man. I mean, it's just <laughs> it's just fucking cool as hell. Um, and then we went back for brunch the next day and that was a dim sum brunch, eight different styles of dim sum. Both nights they brought Sue a birthday dessert. Uh, the second night or the second day, they also brought us a different dessert because they knew we had had that soup the day before. So they brought us some mango um, kind of mango custard. Uh, really good. Uh, it was just Fucking amazing, man. So we had a great time. We didn't stay at Bellagio just because price is super expensive at Bellagio this past weekend. So um, we ended up staying at Palm's Place or, you know, right nice. next door practically. Yeah. Um, so we bumped into um, Chef Luke Palladino in the lobby of Palm Place. And he mentioned that Laguna had just opened that week. Yeah. And I knew this, that it was opening from seeing Chef Marcus earlier in the week. But um, Laguna, for those who don't know, is where they used to have the Kerry Simon restaurant mm. in Palm's place. So many memories. At one At point, brunch. the coolest place ever. <laughs> uh, so we went up to Laguna, didn't have a chance to try the food because we were stuffed like, you know, hogs from eating that <laughs> meal. But uh, they did. So we got another dessert for Sue. But we just sat in that room and it was so great to just be back. There's so many positive memories mm-hmm. of time with Kerry and um, and just wasted afternoons that I could barely walk out of the place and ha- <laughs> porn stars at the next table. And, and right. I look, you know, obviously that was a distinct moment in time. And I don't want to in any way put any pressure on Laguna to recreate that because it's not 15 years ago. You know what I mean? Right. And it's not the entourage era of Las Vegas. Right. But um, that being said, the space is still gorgeous. It still reminds me of what it looked like back then. It's poolside. It's fun. Mm-hmm. And I just hope that a lot of people that remember it are willing to go back and, you know, check it out. And, Absolutely. you know, Luke Palladino is a great chef. So I look forward to trying his food. Then finally, quick one. I was at Caesar's Palace today and had to try a cookie and milk shot from a robot. Um, it's right in front oh, of. Oh, I saw that on social media. And right in front of Dominique Ansel's, and <laughs> yeah, it's got these little cups made out of chocolate cookies, yes! and the robot puts them under milk and pours vanilla milk in it. And um, first of all, I'm 100% sold. I love it. It's completely Vegas. It's fucking wonderful. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. But if I'm gonna play critic, a couple talking points as a critic, please. Yeah. Number one, if you order the damn thing, if you're gonna make us order by scanning a QR code only can't like wave my credit card next to the machine then you got to get fucking apple pay because i shouldn't have to enter my credit card number by hand when i'm trying to do that in the middle oh, of the casino yeah. you know? no. just a pain in the dick right so um yeah just sign it up for apple pay people 866 for the thing that to me anything under ten dollars in vegas is a fucking bargain i don't care Absolutely. you know here's the thing something I, I was telling somebody earlier today sometimes it's about the experience yeah, eight sixty six for that cool experience, and you get cookies and milk out of it. Like, I'm not mad. Yeah, so Here it's cool. always about the experience, <laughs> right? And then the weirdest thing is, though, that honestly, and it doesn't lend itself to a casino, but I would have liked the milk to have soaked into the cookie cup a little oh, longer yeah, before yeah, I drank yeah, it. Yeah, you know what I mean? Are. So so the time factor doesn't play into being on a casino floor. But other than that, I fucking love it, and it's awesome. The end. Oh man. <laughs> 
We're we exhausted lived, now. We lived happily ever after. That's like the whole fucking episode. We That's the whole get show to right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, well, we got more. We do. Stay with us, please. The news is on the way. But first, a new owner for Chef's Roma Kitchen in Henderson and some highlights from the Neon Feast Meet the Chef event. This is Food and Loathing. Here you are in Vegas, you're hungry, and the choices are endless. But do you really want to trust the crowd? You can trust Neon Feast. Restaurant recommendations from real food pros sharing where they send friends and family. All that knowledge is just a download away on the Neon Feast app. You want the strip, off strip, downtown, great views, great value? Find smart, informed restaurant recommendations on the Neon Feast app and neonfeast.com. There is a new owner of Chef's Roma Kitchen in Henderson, which was previously owned by the late Chef Piero Broglio. He died last year. Al sat down with the new owner, Chef Ricardo Romo, a veteran of the Mini Group, SDK Steak, and most recently, Mastro's. Well, I mean, it was old Chef Piero's restaurant. Um, and, you know, obviously he died last year. And they were looking to sell prior to that. And we were talking about taking it over. And... You know, just negotiations stopped, and you know, I went back on the strip and was doing some projects. And I was—I've been really looking to kind of get out on, you know, out on my own and start getting restaurants going for myself. Was just waiting for you know the opportunity to do it, and you know, got with the uh, you know Peggy and them here, and she was ready to retire. And it's, a great, it's a great location, and I dug it, so we came to a deal. So um, you most recently, of course, you've worked with um, Michael Mina Group. You've yep. worked with STK. Yep. Most recently, though, you put in a, a decent stint at Mastro's, yep. right, on the Strip. And what made you decide you wanted to get off the Strip and come out into the burps? Well, honestly, I think during the pandemic, it made a lot of people, a lot of us realize that when you work for a corporation, no matter how big of a producer you are for the company, how big of a restaurant you are operating, at the end of the day, you're still a number man. You know, so, you know, honestly, what happened with a lot of people on the strip, it made me realize that I'd rather be my own boss going into these things. So I took a step back and when I resigned from Mastro's, I, I did a little traveling. I was looking in, you know, wine country in California to open up a couple of spots and, you know, just trying to find my little niche and, and realize that it's better to do it for yourself. At least if you're going to work harder, then the gratification is there. And, you know, you can wake up and feel good about going to, job, going to work the next day. So um, when you come into an established place, and I've seen a few other people doing this as well recently, people that are, are, are known in this town, but then are going further out into the burbs and taking over sort of an established neighborhood restaurant. And I'm wondering, especially because Chef Piero was really beloved in this town, there, he was not a household name necessarily, but he had a strong following. So what is the challenge of going into a restaurant that already is, is associated with another chef? And trying to make it your own. Well, I mean, the challenges are always just, you know, he had good bones here. Even through the menu, I've already started to put my flair into it. Um, the, the place had good reviews. The location was great. And again, when we go into the burbs, that's what you're looking for. I mean, for me to go and spend another half a million to, you know, $2 million to do a build out, you know, it gets kind of pricey. And then the return on the investment, you got to work a little harder. 
Um, I'm kind of starting to see these things as finding a couple of diamonds in the rough, taking over, replacing, doing the bones, cleaning it up, getting back to the community and showing them that, hey, I'm here now. You know, give me a shot. Let's try my food. And that's what I've been doing for the whole month I was here. Um, I, you know, I sat here and I worked in the kitchen with the crew. I learned uh, how they were doing things. I took notes. You know, we did all that. And then as soon as the takeover, I was able to make these changes that I was already implementing. Uh, I was able to meet a lot of the locals. And, you know, now I think uh, a month into it, a lot of them are starting to recognize me. They're coming out and starting to come back for me. So kind of starting from, from the bottom. But a little diamond in the rough like this, when you come in and with those um, those reviews already there, it ain't really much too, it ain't too hard. You just keep producing good products and, you know, say hi table touch and show people a good time they're going to come back so um obviously this is an italian restaurant i'm, I'm going to assume it's an italian restaurant called uh, roma yes. kitchen yes. Well, what style italian cuisine are you doing right in here right now well it's very much american italian home uh you know the uh, pomodoro sauce is very simple you know, there's not a lot of ingredients. Everything is very clean. We make everything to order. You know, we cook the pasta to order as soon as you order it. You know, we're not uh, pre-cooking the pasta and bagging them up. So everything is pretty much a la minute. So when you get the food here, it's really, really hot. But, yeah, it's, you know, it's American, you know, first-generation Italian cuisine, I would call it. I would love to permit a little bit more of the coastal uh, um, aspect of that where we can get a more broader uh, cuisine going. Um, but let's start with giving them what they know and refining on that and then starting with that. Well, I feel like um, a new respect recently is being given to what I call a red sauce joint, right? The, um, the East Coast, Italian-American, Northeast, um, those style, all those, you know, those red sauce dishes that are classics that kind of got bastardized over many, many years because the, the dishes are so fucking good that you don't have to be a good chef to make them. And a lot of people um, got used to having bad chefs make them and forgot how good they were when, when they were treated with a little bit of respect. So do you see yourself as sort of part of that, I don't know if I want to call it a movement, but that, that new trend of sort of breathing some new respect into that kind of red sauce tradition? Well, I'll be honest. This is my first time with an Italian restaurant. So, you know... I'm excited because, you know, part of me, I always got to be learning. You know, I, you know, I do get bored fast. I got to try new things. But as far as that, yes, when I go to an Italian restaurant, the thing that I hated about it, and I don't I never ate a lot of Italian food was the heartburn, the acidity and the tomatoes, you know, all that. When you get home, you, you, you drink a, a bottle of wine, you eat the pasta. I'm lying in bed and I'm dying from all the heartburn. Well, you know, prior to taking over this place as it came in and ate. I wasn't getting that feeling when I was getting home. You know, I was drinking a bottle of wine, having some red sauce dishes, and not feeling that. So when I finally got in the kitchen, I realized what it was doing. You know, it's not heavy into the garlic. You know, it's 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 the very clean, the freshness of the simple ingredients of the pomodoro, and um, actually the pureeing of the you know the vegetables, nice and fine, and steeping the herbs into it. You know that you we don't even cut it with sugar here. It's just very clean, and I enjoyed that. So I guess. Yes, I am coming with that new respect for the Italian food on that aspect because when I eat here, I don't go home and I'm not like, Ugh, you know, which the majority of the Italian, right? Let's be honest. That, that's what happens. You eat really heavy and you go home and, you know, as the older we get, the acidity and the tomatoes just kind of messes with us. You don't get that when you eat here. So what are your, some of your house specialties so far? 
Actually, what's really delicious is uh, the lasagna, and then when you get it here, it's huge. I mean, really, three people can eat, can eat at it. Our chicken marcellus. I took the chicken marcellus here, you know, and changed the, the recipe a little bit when I took over. It wasn't really quite how, you know, I enjoyed my chicken marcellus. It's turned into one of our hottest dishes. Uh, just recently today launched, you know, we're printing out the new menu, got the chicken piccata going on. We have an amazing veal parm here that we pound out. And then we do it, you know, with our pomodoro, our mozzarella, and then we bake it. And it's pretty much for two. It's on a big plate. It's amazing. People can't finish it. That's turning into a cellar. And I've also in- incorporated some, like I said, some of my things. I put a pork chop on the menu. We put a New York strip. I'm doing a ribeye. And I don't have a grill here. So, you know, I'm using some of those, you know, French techniques that I had back in the days, you know, when I worked in French restaurants where a lot of our work here is all pans. So it's, it's really cool to be able to give... You know, the guests' steak, where I have a couple of them saying, oh, I, you know, I ate at a couple of restaurants on the Strip and I had their steak, but yours is a lot better. So, you know, kind of explain to them, and we're just doing all pan work here. So it's really cool. So the Marcellas, the veal parm, the steaks, um, what else is a good one? The meatballs we make from scratch here, and we, and we bake them and throw them in the artichoke. Um, the artichoke is braised in, uh, you know, a little chicken stock, olive oil, finished off in the oven. Um, it's delicious. Those are a couple of the, the linguine and clams um, are really good. Um, uh, you know, a majority of the food is coming out pretty nice. So there's a handful of dishes. The calamar is, you know, it's very, you know, it's it's fried, it's crispy, and it's, it's just all so simple. Where we're just letting the food kind of speak for itself, and just using those good techniques. And we got a couple of good sous chefs now that are that are good, and we got a lot of you know household favorites so far. What's the biggest difference between cooking for tourists mostly on the Strip and cooking for locals here in the neighborhoods? If you mess it up, they won't come back. <laughs> you give them bad food, they're not going to come back. Where you know where I was on the Strip, I've heard multiple times over the years right? people, ah, you know, they're tourists, whatever. You know, we're going to get another 500 of them next month. You can't do that when you're in a local joint. You know, you got to make sure that you keep that consistency. And when they come in, they're going to know the flavors. You know, especially as I'm taking over some of these places or taking over this place where it did come with a small little following. Um, and, you know, they expect the dish a certain way or once you get it, I mean, they're coming back for that. So it's the consistency that is the, the challenge with mom and pops. You have to be on point every time. And as I think I mentioned in the top of the show, maybe I didn't. Um, Chef James Trees <laughs> gave an amazing cooking demo at our second Neon Feast so Meet. Good. The- Yes, our Meet the Chef event um, at Element Home Gallery. Um, I it was I don't know, Gemini. Did you have fun? I know Rich. Oh, we had a blast. I loved the layout this time. Um, I loved the sort of feed yourself charcuterie cheese segment kind of happening down one of the hallways. Um, Great drinks by Chef Bobby G. I didn't get to drink any of them, but how did they taste? They were beautiful. One of them was uh, called the Amalfi Coast. It was. a bit like an Aperol spritz with a little bit of a twist to it. He was using um, Roku gin, I yes, believe. Roku from Japan. Gin, yes, Roku gin, yes. And a little bit uh, of lychee light, light, um, light syrup. Yep. Yeah, lychee liquor. Some of that and some Aperol. Yeah. Um, and then the other one was a take on a New York sour. Also really great. Um, you know, all I mean, Beam Suntory coming out and doing that with us and, and letting Bobby just have some fun. He gets the menu and then he gets to decide what to make. And it was delicious as always. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, the interactivity was, was higher this time. Um, I love that chef James was running out and, you know, after the demo and after the feeding of everybody, this beautiful Agnolotti and other stuff, he came out and was playing with this pasta and just sharing it and teaching people how to do certain tricks and how to make it work for them. And I thought it was a brilliant, brilliant night. Thank you. Thanks so much. Yeah, again, and this is the like I said, it's about community and and putting community together. Mm -hmm. And I'm so happy that that um my friends over at Element Home Gallery have been willing to bring us into their showroom oh. with these great chefs that we that the kind of people that just like to talk and talk food and teach about food yep. and and have fun and meet their their public, their neighbors, their customer base, their neighbors. And Chef James is fantastic, and he did this Agnolotti um making session where he really just got into all the secrets and oh, all the tricks so and all of his things that he thought that were bullshit about what other people say. And, um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's always tough to take something like that and put it into an audio form, but there, you know, I did try to, grab about 10 minutes. There's three segments in what I'm going to send to you. Oh, you're going to play for you right now. And with some weird sound effects in between, so you know when we're changing. Uh, but these three segments, uh, basically first about how you just make pasta to begin with, and then second about how you can roll out pasta with just about fucking any kind of roller. The machine mm -hmm. doesn't matter. And then the third, but he's calling out the bullshit in both of those. And then the third is just him really talking about how to form the Agnolotti. So uh, this is about 10 minutes. I hope you enjoy it. And so I'm going to show you how we make pasta dough. It's not hard. It literally is eggs and flour. But we blend the flours because we want strength and softness together. Durham wheat from the south is what you use to make extruded pastas. In the north, they use that pillowy, soft, white flour to make hand-rolled pastas or the pastas of Bologna, which are so fortified with egg yolk and have so much protein from egg yolk that they can stretch and be soft, right? Those are the things you have with bolognese. So what we do is we are the apostates. I know Gio is uh, getting my effigy ready to burn now. I know Mr. Gaetano won't let me through the door. I'm never gonna get out of this room because we got a northerner and a southerner here and I don't know if I'm gonna make it out. There you go, two southerners, even worse. All right, then forget about my Caputo sponsorship, right? So what we're gonna do is we're actually just gonna make some pasta dough. And what we do is we blend those flours 60-40. And I want that to kind of like do the whole thing. We're gonna make a well, and I'm gonna actually just gonna get off this because I need two hands to make pasta dough and I'm gonna get a little messy and then I'll hold this if we're you gonna look. do that. That's fine. So I can, guys, I can yell, it's fine. Just yell, he yeah, can yeah. yell. If you ask my cooks, they're used to this, right? So really what we're gonna do, and this is one of those things is they're like, what's your recipe for pasta? And the answer is, well, how many eggs do you have, <laughs> right? Because what I like to do is I like to start by just cracking a couple eggs into the, uh, into the flour. And then I just do the well method the same way everyone learned from our wonderful, wonderful friend Mario Batali on the Food Network. And then you just tap it, tap it, tap it. I know this is crazy. We're making pasta, right? <laughs> And you just mix it around and then you literally just let, you let the flour create this well. You don't have to do it. You can do it with a fork. You can be all fancy and do it that way. You think it's going to bring some flour over here. Boom, 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 boom. We're going to use some TV magic here in a bit. So I just want you guys to see this method. Mm -hmm. But really what you want is you want a dry crumbly mix, right? 
Oh my gosh, we have too much egg. Yeah. Well, now we don't have another much egg. <laughs> That's literally how you make pasta, guys. <laughs> I, all these people and their fancy techniques, I don't get it, man. I don't know. All these people who think you need a recipe, pasta is a method. It's a feeling. And what you want to look for is this. See how it's starting to turn into little crumbles, right? Well, as those little crumbles start to hydrate, what you're going to end up with is you're going to end up with something that you can push and create a ball with, right? And you can do this at your house. And I'm going to show you, I'm going to teach you something that no Italian wants you to know. <laughs> this is really important. The whole entire idea about pasta being hard to make is so we can charge you a lot of money for it. <laughs> it's not hard to make. So the other thing is, oh my gosh, you have to knead this pasta for 15 to 20 minutes. Well, making a lot of bread, you learn some things. Here's one of the things you learn is that time is more important than physical action when it comes to gluten development. So what they use making sourdough bread and what we use at Esther's is called an autolyse, right? You mix flour and water and you just let it sit. And what it does is it'll start making a matrix like this. If I sit here and work it and work it and work it and work it, guess what? It's going to turn into a ball of dough that looks like that. <laughs> but then you're still going to have to rest that for two hours. So what you do is you get it to where it's one thing and you get it to where it has this beautiful crumbly texture. You get rid of all the excessive BS. You take this ball of dough right here. You wrap it in plastic wrap and leave it in your fridge overnight. And you get that. I've never used this pasta roller before. Literally straight out of the box brand new. It's going to Ada's after this. I swear to God, look how shiny it is. Wow. If you want to buy this, you can buy it off of uh, pastabiz.com. They're amazing. Great company. Love them to death. Like I said, never use this thing. Hopefully uh, it works. There you go. Okay. So I don't know how many numbers I just went down. All I know is I am rolling out pasta dough. So here's something fun. When you're rolling out pasta dough, it's all about texture. Okay. If it feels soft, you need to laminate flour into it, right? If it feels tight, it needs to rest more and or you need to roll it slower through the numbers. So like what I mean by slower is if you have to roll it out because it's tighter, you can't jump number to number as fast. Okay. So what we want to get to is you want to get down to where the pasta, you can see it through your hand, right? And I know that sounds crazy, but in reality, that's just what it should be. You can see the pasta through your hand or you, your hand, your hand through, through the, the pasta? pasta like okay. that. Yeah, hand through the pasta. You can see your pasta through the hand. Do you have a different set of issues? Right? And then as it exposes more of that moisture, just a little bit of flour. And that's all it is. It's nothing crazy. Right? And like I said, like if you get the one uh, in the store for like 60 bucks, it totally works just as well. There's no difference between that and this, except for you have to crank it. And if you have to crank it, it's a good workout. God, you gotta have eggs to close your pasta. That's the way Nona did it. This is filled with water. 
it totally works. <laughs> Water creates tackiness. Tackiness closes the pasta. Protein does not help with that. It just gets messy. There's all that albumin in there. It's just a pain in the butt. Don't do it. Get yourself one of these for three bucks from, uh, from Home Depot, and it totally works. See? And the cats like it too, right? My cats love this. <laughs> spray on one side, right? So you spray on the outside because we're going to fold it over, and then we're just going to do it. This is the hardest part of making agnolotti. I tell people all the time, the first 10,000 are the hardest. <laughs> After that, you can show anyone how to do it. Oh my gosh, there's air in there. Well, you have this little bit of flour, put a little bit of flour down, tap your hand on it, use the side of your hand, and push the air down the line. See this? Now we don't have any air in there. Boop, 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 boop. So, so far, the real trick is when you push this side down, whenever you're doing folded pastas, you push the pasta to allow it to do one thing to become the same thickness on all sides. You ever get a ravioli and it's like hard on the outside, soft on the inside? Because they didn't take the time to double punch it. You have to push it out and then re-punch the uh, ravioli. Cool? So now we're gonna lift up and make a T. We're gonna do this. I I, this is how I literally teach my cooks. I'm like, do this, do this, right? You can make your agnos this wide, you can make them this wide, you can make them this wide if you want to. But the real trick is you lift and pinch and set. What you're doing here is you're setting. So you actually do this twice because you do it in a line. And so come here, come here, Leanne. Come on. You know you want to. Come on. Come on. Come on. Don't worry about that. We're not going to use these. All right. So watch. So what you do is you lift. And what you're doing is if you do that twice, you're going through and you're doing that twice. The hardest part about this is getting them the same size. So look, it's actually two, it's a T on the bottom, right? Flat, boom, boom, right? Good? So up, pinch, up, pinch, up, pinch. Here, start down here. Follow me. So you're doing that size? Lift up, pinch down. Pinch all the way down. See, so now check this out, see this? That's where you're gonna blow out, right? So pinch down. Pinch on the bottom. The news is next. This is Food and Loathing. And it's time for the news. Psalm Sunday returns to Ada's Wine Bar this Sunday, March 5th, with visiting sommelier James Tidwell. And I sat down with Ada's Wine Goddess Kathleen Thomas about the pro to talk about the program and what they have planned for this weekend. It's really a treat not only for our guests but for myself and our team. I bring in a guest sommelier and they get to do my job for me. So they choose a selection of beverages, whether it's wine, sake, beer, um, and that they would like to highlight for whatever reasons. And we create different flights from those selections and you can buy those wines by the glass through the flights or take them home as retail. Okay. And can you tell me about the one that's coming up this Sunday? Mr. James Tidwell out of Texas, Dallas, in fact, is a master sommelier, a beautiful human being and a great uh, person to have on your side as a mentor in the beverage industry. 
He is flying in just for this event, so I'm very grateful. And he's highlighting the International Wine Awards that he is uh, a part of and runs and actually helped create the Texas International Wine Awards. So he's chosen all uh, gold medalists that have been awarded, and uh, it's quite an eclectically fabulous lineup. And um, I was looking at the menu, and I see that, you know, you can kind of just pick wines that you like, but there are also dishes selected to go with them. Could you talk about what the chef has done to create special dishes to pair with these wines that um, Mr. Tidwell's bringing in? So we do this on a grand scale every time we host a wine or beer dinner. We choose the beverage first, and then the chefs create the menu around those beverages So this is a very micro-sized idea of that where we'll have a special, we call it bite dish, that the chef will create to accompany uh, the different wines that were selected. And I don't know just yet, even myself, what that will be. Okay, cool. Sounds great. Um, Do people need to get tickets in advance or can they just show up? How does it work? And um, what's the buy-in, I guess? The buy-in is that you have to be excited um, and happy to be here, but we definitely encourage reservations uh, because we have a cute, tiny little space and we fill up very quickly. It is from three to five that day, so if you haven't reserved your seats, please do so. You do not have to purchase any tickets in advance, um, but definitely a buy-in is coming with an open mind and uh, a little bit of patience. A shout-out to, to another foodie podcast, chef Timoni, which calls itself a podcast containing conversations with chefs, food-loving lawyers, and others from the world of hospitality, very often in Las Vegas. They like us, so we like them. It's a C-H-E-F-T-I-M-O-N-Y. Go search for it where you find your podcasts. And uh, Love it. Yeah. And hey, like I was talking about earlier, Chino Poblano is in the Cosmopolitan and they're hosting a second annual Bow and Mezcal event. It's a menu available between March 6 and March 19, featuring dim sum dishes from their Asian portion of the menu and pairing them with Mezcals from the Mexican side of the bar. I tasted the whole menu, which includes four dishes, a shumai, a barbecue pork bun, a yuzhang eggplant dish, and the, what they call the golden pearls dumplings. They have a little bit of gold flake on top. <gasps> They're really fancy looking. Oh my God. Beautiful. Uh, and the last two are completely vegan and so full of flavor. I had to ask a question about it. Chef Carlos Cruz Santos was kind enough to sit down with me for a few minutes, told us a little bit about why and how they do it. The concept was something we have been toying with the last uh, two, three years, putting together uh, mezcals with our Chinese side of the uh, dishes, you know, the, the dim sums. Um, something we've been working on and we just finally did it. Uh, we didn't really recreate any dishes, but we, we took all the existing dishes that we had and we paired them with mezcals and tequilas and whatever agaves we had on hand. Um, so it's something that, you know, we tasted through all the, the, the mezcals and tequilas and, and, and the dim sums and, and bows as well. Um, trying to come up with the with the you know the combinations that we did the the pairings, um, but you know it was people know our our dim sums and our bows and, and all those things, but I don't think people know you know pairing them with a mezcal is something that people normally wouldn't do. You know, 
Um, so I, I, I admit, I don't normally order mezcal yeah, at the yeah. Chinese place, yeah, exactly. right? So, <laughs> so why? I, because obviously, we know you're a bit a bit Spanish and Mexican, a bit Chinese. Yeah, yeah. This is the second time you've done something like this. Yes, yes, we did it. We did it in, in 2022. Um, we kind of rushed it at that point, but we we, we had wanted to do it um, last year. We didn't we didn't get as much uh, uh, publicity behind it or, or, or very much exposure. But this year, I think we put a little more effort into it. Uh, Kiri, and, um, who is our marketing manager here, she did a great job of promoting it, and she's promoting it now, along with you know everybody else who's, who's you know, come in and eat and, and, and taste it through the menu as well. So um, a lot of promotion with, with it is going into it this year, so we're really excited. Do you have a favorite dish that you have put together here, or even a favorite pairing that that you want to share with us? Actually, I do like the the first pairing, which is the chicken stew mai with the uh, the del maguey crema. That is one of my favorite ones. I, um, it's just because um, each of those, each of the the, the the shu mai itself is really unique and it's tasty. You know, it's a basic chicken stew mai, but ours is really light and airy, fluffy, with the addition of the. Um, the uh, oh my god, <laughs> I lost it. With the addition of the uh, white white ear or white clawed mushroom that's in there, um, gives it a little bouncy texture. Nice, it's almost sweet uh, with the chicken in there and, and the different and all the ginger and everything that goes into there. Um, but paired with that crema, the del maguey crema, I, I think it's a great combination. You get a little bit of the the spice from the uh, and the sweet. The spice from the chicken shumai and then a little bit of sweet from the, the domage crema, which I think goes goes really well together. So did you help the guys behind the bar decide on which mezcals were going to be paired with these, or did you make the dishes and then tell them you figure it out? No, no, we, we all sat down and tasted. Actually, myself and Eduardo, who's our, our GM, and then Mahalia, who is our, our beverage manager, we all sat and we tasted through all the spirits and along with the shumai and decided which ones would go well together. And we actually had, you know, a couple different um, mezcals and and, and uh, tequilas that were supposed to be part of this. Unfortunately, we couldn't get we couldn't get those. They were, they were a product that aren't being made anymore. But you know, but we have we made other you know choices that that go that pair well with the with the dishes as well. So yeah. Yeah. We love mezcal and tequila here, so you know what better chance to sit down. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. I mean, I've always known uh, Jose Andreas restaurants to be really the gin and tonic place and yeah. the, the even the mojitos. But to know that I can come in and you have a great selection of mezcals and tequilas here. Do you know off the top of your head how many you have? Oh, you know what? We it's it's got to be more than forty. 40 mezcals and you know 20 30 tequilas so yeah it's it's a big selection i mean of all from all different regions of mexico um from you know from the del Maguez to uh the cigarus and, and and everything else in between so like you know we have the pechugas we have uh all varieties of tequila and reposados and everything so yeah i, I have no idea how many exactly but <laughs> and i, I could name you but but, but yeah. I know that we do have some really taste, tasty awesome. ones here. So, yeah. And then just to just to cover it really quickly, um, two of the four dishes we tried today are actually vegan. Yes. And I was yes. a little bit surprised by that myself because they were just, I mean, the flavors were amazing. I keep thinking I'm tasting, oh, there's a little chicken here or a little beef here yes. or something like that. Can you tell us why you made that vegan choice for, for the part of this menu? Well, it's just, it just gives uh, different options to our guests. You know, those... 
those who want to try some of the tequilas and mezcals but are vegan or vegetarian, then it gives them an option also, you know. We want to include everybody. So, you know, I, you know, if, even if you don't eat meat and you still love tequila and mezcal, you know, you can at least pair it with something on our menu. So, you know, it's, it's, so it's not excluding anybody, you know, it's including everybody and trying to, trying to make everybody happy. And Half Bird Chicken and Beer is launching a burger this weekend, calling themselves Half Bird Burger and Beer on Sunday. That's Sunday, March 5th from 12 p.m. to 5 p.m. Featuring music by DJ Adam, a.k.a. artist Pretty Dunn. There'll be three new burgers on the menu, including a Smash Burger, a French Dip Burger, and a Dylan Burger. Open to the public all day. Get in there and try your burgers at Half Bird Chicken and Beer. Half Bird Burger and Beer on Spring Mountain Road on the corner of Wynn Road. It's the End Cap Restaurant in the same shopping center as Golden Tiki. And that's it for this week. Big thanks to wine goddess Kathleen Thomas, Chef Ricardo Romo, and Chef Carlos Cruz Santos, as well as Chef James Trees for our live event. A big thanks to uh, Westward Whiskey, which helped get me through this uh, tedious <laughs> hour. No, I mean, this this wonderful <laughs> podcast we did. Uh, you're drinking whiskey? I've been drinking can, um, cannabis-infused social tonic. <laughs> Hi, boys. I'm doing lemon, la- lemon so lavender today. This my- is a single malt whiskey. It is not scotch. It is all grown in the wonderful state of Oregon. Oh, fun. And I think the only, and it's and then it's aged in Pinot Noir casks. It's kind of wondering Ooh. why this is like the longest episode we've ever done. Yeah, and we're yeah. still going off for no why. reason. <laughs> now I reason, realize it's because you're on whiskey and yeah. I'm on cannabis. Well, I'm product. excited because whiskey just walked in. Green Valley oh. Grocery just released a single yeah. barrel Jack Daniels. And oh. I see a bottle sitting over on the oh, table my. waiting for me when we're done. Well, if you <laughs> want the Westward whiskey single malt, about the only place I think you're going to find it is you got to fly to Portland and go to the shop in the Portland airport. You don't Let's even do have it. to get out of security. Go there, buy a couple of <laughs> bottles, get back on the plane, and come to Vegas. Uh, tell I'm going to have to do that. I'll just hop on a plane tomorrow Here just to go buy some whiskey. You can even go on Spirit. I mean, who cares about the shitty flight? <laughs> how, you're far, whiskey. how far off of our <laughs> normal... Man, it started with me, but you guys are just as bad. Oh, no, we're going 90 <laughs> minutes, no doubt about it. We're if you have not Hey, tell a friend about Food and Loathing, available at the usual <laughs> podcast places. If it fits, uh, check Al's musings and postings at the major social media sites. Search Food and Loathing and find us right there by the electronic mail Google machine thing. Info at foodandloathing.vegas. And if you haven't done it yet, and again, I ask, why not? Yeah. Download the Dion. <laughs> God, I the Dion Fees. <laughs> Dion Fees. And you're Dion the sober Warwick. one. What right? the hell? The sober oh girl gosh. can't okay. even get her shit together. I know, right? Okay. And if you haven't done it yet, and again, <laughs> why not? Download the Neon Feast app and use it to find your next dining destination. Whatever you need, whatever you want, you'll find it on the Neon Feast app or neonfeast.com. And if you want to know what I'm eating, cooking, learning, apparently opening whiskey, you can find all of that at Wishbone and Vine on the socials or wishboneandvine.com. We'll take you to everything anyway. And if you want to see me on TV, my weekly appearances on Wake Up with the CW will now be taking place every Friday around 8.30 a.m. I think I'm doing it by Zoom again today, but um, I will be back in the studio with them soon. Catch y'all all weekend long at the Neon Feast update on the Vibe. Uh, 99.7 in Vegas, 98.1 in the high desert, 98.9 at the river. That means Laughlin and Bullhead City. You know, just hit scan and your radio will stop when Al shows up. Uh, also, every morning 
Thursday morning, 8, 10 a.m. at the club, AM 670, KMZQ. With Rich Johnson and Samantha Gemini Stevens, I'm Al Mancini. Stay hungry.